Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. Today, I have on Cordell Carter of the Aspen Institute. But actually, this is going to be a three-part series uh, over this next couple weeks. Cordell had thrown something called the Festival of Diaspora in Puerto Rico. And um, I'm going to be honest, I was not prepared to do podcasts. I had brought some minor equipment out there with me. But I had met so many interesting people that were so focused on improvement and on um, really making things better, seeing problems as opportunities. There's a theme there. Um, But that I just had to start interviewing some of these people. And at every step of the way, everybody had one thing in common. They knew Cordell and respected him. And this is a guy who has just built such a baseline of of a network that um, I just I wanted to kind of provide uh, to my audience some of his mindset. So that's what today's episode is. But the next two are also just some people I met there at the festival as well. So hopefully you can join me over the next couple of weeks. Um, matter of fact, if I had the time, I would have interviewed probably another five people, but it was, I was limited on time. So I know you're going to really enjoy this one. If you want to follow him on Twitter or on LinkedIn, I highly recommend it because this guy is a, is a deep dive into a great network of, of doers and of, of people that, um, just are very accomplished. So, uh, give Cordell a follow and take a look at what he's doing. Other than that, let's get right into it without further ado, Cordell Carter. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Up podcast. Today, I am with Cordell Carter of the Aspen Institute. Um, I've gotten to know Cordell pretty well, but most recently, I got to go out to the Festival of the Diaspora, and it is there um, where I really got to see Cordell's network, his his people, so to speak. So, Cordell, before we get into this, and by the way, this is a series. I, I end up interviewing two other people that were there at the festival. Um, more on that later. Uh, but explain a little bit about what you do at Aspen uh, first and then get into uh, the, the festival. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on today. Um, for the Aspen Institute for the last five years, I've led a program called the Socrates Program. And this is a public seminar program that uh, in- introduces leaders to ethics, values, and text-based Socratic dialogue on contemporary leadership topics. So whether the issue is cybersecurity or what we can learn from the ancient Greeks, we typically will have a, a, a expert moderator in the room, 25 other people that don't know each other, and they do what I call an intellectual workout. And the classical framework for Aspen is to have a three-part conversation, the conversation with the text, conversation with your peers, and the conversation with yourself that doesn't end. And that's our goal, to make sure people leave embracing the gray, scratching their head like, okay, what do I think about that? So that's the point. When you start asking more questions and you have answers, then you get it. So that really resonates because right now people are not having conversations as much as they are having soundbite moments to disprove what you just said. Um, And and before we get into the festival, um, I will have to take one step back and say, well, actually, no, the exact opposite. When I was at the festival, I didn't hear anybody complain. What I liked is, what is my drug, what is my caffeine, is talking about ideas that can actually happen, not just blue skying. I heard a lot of ideas being thrown around, and I did hear a lot of back and forth on what would it take, so a lot of honest dialogue. Um, so I, I like that. Uh, but but is the, your other thing that I was so impressed by is that the very much blending of, let's just call it what it is, Republicans and Democrats, 
I saw a lot. I, I saw a pretty equal balance. Yeah. And I saw even some things that were uncomfortable, but it was a conversation. It was never a gotcha moment. Obviously, you've, you've, were very intentional about bringing who you, you know, got there to the festival. Um, but has that always been a, a goal of Aspen? Uh, yes. You know, Aspen was created in the, the late 40s to be a place where men could find their common humanity such that they wouldn't engage in World War III. And so this idea of being nonpartisan um, is is a part of our ethos. I happen to think the Socrates program does it much better than most because it is a public program. It's not uh, like a policy program, which is um, in, in many ways a closed caption audience. Like if you're not into pollution in the high seas, you probably wouldn't be part of the high sea initiative. Well, who who's into pollution in the high seas? We can pretty much figure out that pretty quickly. It's going to be people that think alike, that probably have the same political leanings. Whereas Socrates, you know, people are attracted to the idea. Like I think I have an opinion on cybersecurity. Now, it could be a conservative opinion or, 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 or liberal opinion, but the point is I have an opinion. And if people are bold enough to come and, and have their ideas tested by the, the intellectual might of others, they're welcome. And so I have made it a, a personal policy, especially over the last four years, to do my level best to ensure political ideal, ideological diversity because that's an, uh, uh, an array, uh, a vector of diversity that I think is super important and that we often um, forget to, to account for. And I think especially geographic, geographic and, and political ideology are, are super important arrays of, of diversity that I think we need to be more thoughtful about. Yeah, I, I heard a lot of that um, there. I, I just remember some of the panels, which I actually were very both racially and intellectually diverse, very uh, much so, but there was some let's wrestle through this moments that, that I greatly appreciated. And again, that spirit of um, ideas and possibilities, not just opining about limitations. The limitations are addressed. Just where do we go from here was, was where, was where uh, that, that, I, that I always longed to hear. And then even some events I've, I've gone to, um, you know, that spirit of where are we going to go I was just on a panel too long ago, and they said, "Listen, we're hearing endlessly on where on where the problems are, um, but solutions. Yeah. That's 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 where it's going to be." Um, I, I, the other thing that uh, I, I wanted to know: where was the origin story? Like, why the festival of diaspora? How how did we arrive that the title, everything else? So th this was born. Um, this is a, a, co a product of COVID. Um, the idea was spawned actually November 2019 in Puerto Rico. I was there having dinner um, on a study trip. I was trying to bring a seminar on American values to Puerto Rico. And what I didn't know and learned when I got there and realized I couldn't do that seminar is that the origin story, the national story of Puerto Rico is very different than the national story of the contiguous 48 states. Um, their founding documents are not the Declaration of Independence. It's Supreme Court rulings from 1903. It's the Spanish-American War of, of 1895. And so very different origin story, and I would have offended so many people by coming in with my Pax Americana positivity, you know, looking forward to the future optimism. That's, that's my normal makeup. And so I was very interested in learning, like, why the difference? Help me understand um, I got deep into it. I actually built a whole seminar on it called American Empire that I haven't actually done yet. But um, 
the spirit of the people in Puerto Rico said, I said, we need a, an old fashioned revival. Uh, we need to bring together the entire hemisphere. And um, I said, well, yeah, we need a festival, a festival of the Afro-Latinx diaspora. And so I was working with that title. And as I got into COVID, George Floyd's happened. I said, no, we need a revival, period, of, of the mind, of the heart. Uh, I just felt like people were broken. I didn't want to exclude anyone by just with the title. Even though my intent is different, I didn't want to exclude anyone. And so we moved the event from Cartagena to Puerto Rico just for ease of use. Um, there was so much concern about some of the civic, I mean, the social unrest in Cartagena last year um, that we moved it and um, Puerto Rico became the best choice. So the why is we need a, a revival. The what is that we're looking to connect across uh, borders, across cultures. Um, we wanna celebrate the other AI, that's ancestral intelligence, regardless of our origin story. Um, we are the product of people that have overcome challenging circumstance, which means we are the sum product or the square root of overcomers, which means we're double overcomers. And so we should be thinking about our family history as jet fuel, not as grievances and a burden to carry with you, but something that powers you to your next thing, whatever that thing is. And then lastly, of course, to collaborate. This is that so what? Now, all that we celebrated, we've connected now, that's great. What are we going to do now? And I'm saying, let me put you in a space where there's a lot of needs. And Puerto Rico is a lot of needs. And Cartagena next year and Sarajevo next year, a lot of needs. And the people in that room can solve it if they work together. That's the intent. You had said the AI ancestral intelligence at the conference, and I was struck then, but I actually it made more sense even now. Uh, after meeting, well, first of all, I, I, I have to say, the cultural kind of celebration at the beginning of the conference, um, by the way, there's nothing better on an audio show than talk about visuals, right? <laughs> but the, the, the dancing, the music, the, 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 the celebration of cultures, I, I really appreciated. But the, that we've double overcome. And then what you just said, celebrating that. Um, so many times bringing up pains of the past while I acknowledge it's good to acknowledge that holy crap by getting out of it and by overcoming that's a celebration of moving forward is really i, I don't know that 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 enormity just weighed on me um right now the other thing that i really appreciated was um like all good conferences is the hallway as soon as the panel is over like i always feel bad about missing somebody else's panel because you get done with yours and then some people come out in the hallway and, and like hey what you just said we should do this or and and uh and it's funny because like after this episode is over i i've, I've already recorded it uh, but it was with jacques and um just being bringing people together because jacques is like uh we got to do something in haiti and we start talking about the fact that he has some libraries there and i'm like oh and i he's like you know i you need to work with my um minister of education i'm like oh you know maybe we can meet this guy he goes no you don't understand he was from my village growing up and like if we're going to do this I, we can get this arranged tomorrow um it was it was those people so i think that's kind of me alluding to my next question you've had an uncanny ability to not only bring people together but you've your I hate to say the word connections. It always sounds so marketing and so transactional. Your your network of friends, let's put it that way. You have built a um, 
I guess there's no way to say it. You've built some powerful relationships. Uh, and again, I'm not saying this is in a transactional way, but when some of the people you brought there, I was scratching my head and I'm like, seriously? You know, in, in walks the superintendent of Seattle schools, in walks the new president of the Washington, it's not football team, the gladiator, no, commanders, commanders. commanders. Like, how, how does one Cordell Carter, like, what got you here? I mean, like, seriously, your, your invite list was impressive. And having known you now for the last, you know, year, it, you've built this network of people for those listening. How do, how do you do that? How do you build a network of people that are this involved and this engaged to want to do? So um, I'm a preacher's kid, and so I I, um, I like people as part of my makeup. Um, I also believe that life is about people and experiences. And because I've been very fortunate in my professional career of not needing people for anything, like I, I generally want to know you and want to figure out how I can be helpful, um, the festival was very really the first time I ever asked anything of my network. And because I was so unaccustomed to doing, I only asked people who I thought would be interested. I didn't like reach out to the network like I could have. And so um, it was such an incredible validating uh, moment for me that I actually had product that I felt good about that I could share with the network and it would add value to them. But generally, I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a service-oriented guy. I'm trying to figure out how I can add value. I, you know, life... You know, we're here for temporary time. We're basically renting space, renting space on Earth, and the way we pay rent is to have impact. That's the rent payment. You have to, you know, give more than you take. And so I, I really live by that. And and then everyone has a story, and I'm dying to know. And so I, I just find meeting people to give me that serotonin boast that, like, you know, is it's a, uh, um, a just a great feeling to connect with a person and find some alignment and then be able to to help them do something they've been trying to do um it, it, to me it, there are a few things that bring me more joy well i guess it lends itself in the next question um i'm assuming by you being a connector and a giver first is that how you found your way into aspen or like give, give that order so how how did you arrive at the aspen institute so I first learned about the Aspen Institute in the mid-90s. Uh, before there was internet, there were these large things called uh, directories and encyclopedias. And the one that I would read religiously because I studied leaders because that's what I wanted to do, but I had no, no, I'm first in my family to go to college. Everything I've, I've done, I've had to create on my own and lean upon an excellent mentors that have been just amazing throughout my life. Um, and so I would read this Who's Who's Guide of American Leaders. And I would fixate on a few people, Colin Powell being one. And so you'll look at, you know, every year they would have basically accolades, different things. So White House Fellowship, uh, the Aspen Institute. I was seeing Aspen all over again, ever, over and over again. Didn't know what it was. Um, and so fast forward almost 20 years. Um, I'm a lobbyist in D.C. I'm at this political fundraiser. Run to someone from the Aspen Institute. I say, hey, let's, let's get some coffee. He comes over and explains all the various programs, and he starts describing Socrates. I said, please stop. Say less. I want in. I went to Socrates. That was winter of 2011. Had a transformational experience and came back. I, I quit my job, got back into education, and joined um, one of their advisory committees on topics and diversity. So 
Um, now that I'm on the inside, I've been there for five years now, I can see the, uh, there's an old folder that says Friends of Cordell from my, pre- my predecessor. And it's all the names I would give her, and she would scholar these people. So there are all these people, basically from the years of 2011 to 2017, when I, before I started, that came because I was evangelizing the power of Socrates. So um, I did not apply for this job to lead. I was coming off of my startup, coming back from China, doing, um, I did an Eisenhower Fellowship. It was right after the 2016 election. I'm in Starbucks. I had almost accepted an offer. I had the offer in my pocket from another organization, a social entrepreneurship organization, big fun in DC. Run into a colleague from Aspen. She says, hey, I thought you were in China. I said, I'm back. How's Chattanooga? I said, oh, I actually resigned. I'm not coming back. Going back to Chattanooga, she says, oh, come back to the office with me. We're walking and talking, and she says, I really wish you would apply for the Socrates role. I was like, no, I sent you some names. She says, no, I wanted you to apply. I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I respect the program too much to, to foul it up. I said something to that effect. And she says, no, I think you'd be excellent. By the way, uh, the interview committee is here. And she just walked me into her room, and I'm turned around. They're like, oh, we have one more? And I'm looking at her like, what are you doing? And she just closed the door. And I'm there. And I said, okay, I guess I'm interviewing. And so I, an hour later, they made an offer. And it's been the best five and a half years of my professional life, uh, expanding and growing this program. What really has dawned on me as you were living that story um, is that one, uh, when, when I have said it's not what you know, it's who you know, when people do the sarcastic eye roll, my, my reaction is to say, well, then no more people. And, and then sometimes, and, and by the way, I, like, sometimes I relive a story. I wrote about it in my book. You know, I started off with like, you know, two Twitter followers. Right. I mean, like everybody else does, because every now and then when when I'll get a few people like, well, Don, it's easy for you. You have a, a social media following. By the way, I've kind of abandoned social media because it got to be too icky. But it was that I I, I had I was either reaching out on behalf of my students because this open source learning thing, if if a student says, I want to learn how to build blank and I, Mr. Wedger didn't know how to do it, which was 95 percent of the time, then I was reaching out to people. Um it just dawned on me that the reason why she wanted you there is that you had this relationship capital and not in a transactional way. And that's what I really like is that when I, when you've put together something like this festival, it was the people that a are almost there, not almost, they were there because of you, Mm -hmm. which is a great feeling to have. But they also, I think that you've infected that um, mindset and attitude it's almost kind of like like people are on their best behavior. Oh, Cordell's here. <laughs> like, don't do that. Cordell's here. But I love that because you have the heart and spirit of a teacher and the expectations of a teacher. They have like, listen, I've, I've gone out of my way to make sure you're here because I believe in what you do. Don't mess this up. And I really appreciate that. And then the second thing is, is, that, is that as I want more people to do that same thing. Build your network. And I hate the whole networking events. Like, here's my card. We should totally go and play some golf later. Like, but no, like, dude, I want to help. Like, well, I'm inspired by the people I meet and then gravitate. And of course, it gets me in trouble sometimes as a person that runs my organization because my board sometimes like quit saying yes to everything, Don. You don't have time for all this. But I, I, I like that you've built an organization to hear what other people are doing and then at minimum point them to other people that are doing either similar things or how they can help. 
I, I think we have just a tremendous opportunity to be helpful to each other. And um, I just, you know, we can go fast by ourselves, but much further with a, with a team. And one of the remarkable things about the people in my orbit is that we are all doing something. We're all up to what I call positively mischievous things, just trying to make something happen in our own little way. And I'm ca- gathering now impact stories from seven weeks ago in, in Puerto Rico. There have been two companies that have merged with other companies that they've met there. Um, one relationship, I just learned this week, was created, uh, and they were both in relation with other people when they came. That I, I don't claim for that. I'm like, listen, don't blame me. Don't thank me. They called to thank me. I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah. This is too brand new. Don't thank me for that. Um, and uh, people just having now an expanded network, people they would have never met before, but for this gathering, we all can do that. We can all do that. When, when you come with this spirit of, of, I am here to genuinely learn who you are and see how I can be helpful with no expectation of reciprocity, amazing things happen. And um, have I been burned before? I'm burned all the time. There are some people that forget who, who called the headhunter on their behalf. There's people who forget who, who referred them to this, you know, the fellowship. There are people that uh, I can generally tell within five minutes they're talking to me because I'm, I know, a presidential appointee in the White House uh, Fellowship Commission. They don't really want to know me. Within three minutes, they're already asking about the White House Fellowship, you know? And so um, that's okay um, because in life, you know, the goal is to, to bat 500. Hall of Fame is 318. Think about that, okay? We have folks in the Hall of Fame that are 298 lifetime hitters, and the vast majority of, of human beings, of adult human beings, are 500 plus. So we're all Hall of Fame in our own ways. And so like, what's the Hall of Fame you're aiming for is, is the question. And for me, I, I want to be known as a person that added value, that made other people better, um, that was generally a joy to be around, and left the, the pl- this place called Earth better. Um, I want to pay my rent. That's all I'm going to do, pay my rent. One last thing. Um as I hear this mindset and, and sometimes I ask this of my guests and it's maybe one of my favorite things just because sometimes I think that we're underappreciated. Uh, feel free to give the real name if you want. Um, who was your favorite teacher and what separated them? What made you think? And, and if you have a hard time narrowing it down to the one, feel free to honor the two, but I want to know why. So two favorite teachers. Um, one was a guy named Roger Soder, and he, uh, I went to him as a college uh, sophomore when I realized I was unprepared for college. People were making literary references. I had no idea what they were talking about. And um, he gave me my second education. He would basically, he gave me a PhD Carroll in the, the, like the nether regions of the, the main library at the University of Washington. So I had my own Carroll space. And he just put a bunch of books. It was all ancient history. And he had, you know, as he says, one, two, three, literally gave me a sequence. And we would, I would read, and I would go to him, and I would disgust. And he would light me on fire. You know, you're not, you give it, he says, what are you, three? I want you to go back and read it again. You missed several important points. And um, he was a hard taskmaster that I, I so appreciate. So Roger Soder. And then the second teacher is, is the person who, introduced me to Roger Soder. His name is Ed Taylor. He's the Dean of Undergraduate Education at the University of Washington. 
I watched him deal with very challenging personal and professional circumstances with such grace um, and sophistication that I, I often refer to him as my second father because I, I learned what it's like to be a public intellectual from watching him. And um, I appreciate these men tremendously. They've, they've, they've played a big role in my life and my development. And they're my favorite teachers. And by the way, I never had a class from them. Uh, we, we never registered. For, these were just people that were part of my life. And uh, I'm, I, I, I live in, in gratitude and debt to them. You just made me uh, rethink that whole question. Because um, I've asked that several times, and people have given the traditional answer of, you know, seventh grade language arts teacher, whatever. Um, but you just remind me of uh, Bob Fryer, my first job out of college. And I'll never forget this. Uh, Bob was a guy who, um, he warned me, you can always be 10 minutes early to a meeting of mine, but you cannot be 10 seconds late. And it was on my third day of work that I was strolling in there and it was, you know, you know, nine o'clock and 15 seconds and the door was locked. And he more or less said, that is arrogant. If you think that the rest of us should wait on you, you're wrong. <laughs> and so, a te- so Bob Fryer was one of my favorite teachers. That he, his, his, uh, his classroom was my first job. Anyway, um, one last thing. One, that whole festival that you put together, you said there's things coming out of it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to report. Yeah, Jacques and I are going to work on something incredible. One of our one of our ideas is like maybe we can get some of these students to when they work on this project, we can brag about it at the festival next year in, in Cartagena. Um, but I I did notice people during the conference saying, "No, seriously, we're going to do this." That a lot of different projects are going to be born out of it, and I think the 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 real story of hope on this, if you're listening, is not just a like, oh my gosh, you threw the great conference. You did. The most important thing was to set those expectations, have ideas, and then push for people to say, it's cool theory, bro, go out and do. And I, I think that for, for those of you, a decent amount of the audience are teachers. Next time you go to that teacher conference, don't walk away going, cool theory. What are you going to do? What is lighting your hair on fire, excited, going, I'm going to start this? Even if you email some students that, if it's over the summer, you're talking to that other teacher that you collaborate with. If you're, you know, you go to some of these other continuing education conferences, whether you're in education or not, those cool ideas you hear, stop that person and say, I'm going to do this. Because I, the guy that I usually share my Friday episodes with, uh, Jamal Crook, I always remember Jamal. I'm, I know you're listening to this, buddy. Jamal, I was uh, doing a workshop in Tampa, and Jamal comes up to me during a coffee break, and he goes, "I'm going to do these things," and I was like, I, I, "I believe in them," but I was like, "Hey, call me in a year when you've done these things." I'm like, a lot of people say these things. A lot of people say, oh, "I'm going to try this thing in my classroom," and son of a gun, 365 days to the day at 6 a.m. calls me at 6 a.m. And uh, phone rings. I'm like, hello. He says, hey, my name is Jamal Crook. Remember me? And I go, actually, I do. He goes, you told me to call you a year from now. It's been 365. And here's what I've been working on. And we have been thick as thieves ever since because it is that it is that spirit of 
learning and then doing. And so I want to provide all this. You have provided me a network of people that I'm learning from. I'm peeking in on what you're doing. If you make a post of you're working with this person, I'm starting to dig in and say, what is that person doing? Because you have left a legacy of surrounding yourself with people that are doers. Um, but I really do think that your spirit and your attitude sets the tone for a lot of your Socratic seminars and your events. So congratulations on the festival. Um, sincerely appreciate all that you provide for a lot of people. And uh, just know that at the festival, you there will be a lot of impact, some of which you'll never know, and some of which we're going to die trying to get your attention, saying, Listen, look at what's going on. Uh, so I sincerely appreciate that. So thank you so, so much for, for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you.